The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. Welcome back to another episode of That's Odd. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, and with me today is... Wait, no. Johnny's not with me today. What's going on? How am I supposed to do this? This is weird. Sitting in the Creeper Clubhouse all by myself. Nobody across from me. But you're not alone. Oh my God, what the hell is that voice? Is that a ghost? It's the ghost, the ghost of the Creeper Clubhouse. It's the woman in white. Ooh. Or your wife. It's my wife, Erin. Uh, yeah, that's right, Creepers. My wife, Erin, is joining me today. Johnny's not able to make it. So we're doing a fun episode today. Uh, and I figured, you know what? I've referenced her so many times on the show. People kind of know who she is. Uh, she's never really been on the show. Um, have you been on any of my podcasts? I feel like you were I was like on, on like a back, back issues, issues one. You recorded it separate and no one actually heard it. And then they reacted to me without hearing me. And it was all <laughs> stupid sounding. And... Well, now people will hear you. Okay. Your voice is now out there. You are a part of the network. Erin, uh, my wife, welcome to the show. She's joining me for That's Odd this week. Uh, so we can put something out for the peoples, right? I'm tired of going, um, you know, weeks on end and you missing episodes. I do, man. I hate it, though. <laughs> I hate it. You know I hate it. You know it causes me no sleep. How many times am I tossing and turning and keeping you up at night? Because history creeps and that's odd is weighing on my You're brain. Like, oh, it's eight days late. It's eight days late. <laughs> all right. No more pulling back the curtain. These people can't hear all that. <gasps> Welcome to the show. Thank you. So we're going to have you on today. We're going to discuss some... Um, so originally, I don't remember how the idea came up, but we did something about where you wanted to talk about something to do with animals. Yes. And then we just went into, how did it even come up? Was it just like weird? I said I picked my topic. I wanted oh, to you do, knew it. yeah, animals that predict the future. Oh, and that's you right. That that's you right. also do predictions. Yeah. So I figured I'd look and see if I can't find anything in regards to predictions. You have a few stories to bring today. I have a couple myself. Uh, but before we do... What we normally do on that side, uh, as we do on History Creeps, is we come with news stories, stories that are happening in the moment uh, that kind of fit the, the theme of History Creeps. So a lot of times for History Creeps, it's creepy stuff, scary stuff, paranormal, right? And we call it, um, uh, what do we Current call it? Current Creeps very good. History Creeps. Very good. See, my wife is is a very hardcore creeper. She actually listens to the shows. She listens to only, all of us. Uh, yeah, only this show. I don't listen to your other podcasts at all. That's amazing <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for that uh no that's right last Current thing creeps. i want to hear is anthony <laughs> i hear him enough in her life oh man uh so yeah we do current creeps on history creeps and on that side we do uh once in a while we'll do now that's odd uh this week we have a story there was something that i had seen in the news kind of in passing it was a headline and i was like what is this right i didn't click on it i didn't read it uh and then you mentioned it and you're like hey did you see this I was like, no. You started to tell me, and I said, yes. you know what? Stop. Said, Save it. Save it for the show. Don't tell me anything so else. So 
what the hell's going on with Russia and nuclear missiles? And are we supposed to be finding a bunker? What the fuck's happening? Well, luckily, we're not Norway, so we don't need a bunker yet. But wait, they're attacking Norway. What's no, going no, on? No, no, no. But the latest news today is that Nor- you heard it here, folks. That's odd. <laughs> First reports, Russia attacking Norway. No, no. All right. So it's a very convoluted, strange story, mostly because Russian government doesn't like say what's really happening so everything's coming out in like drips and drabs yeah so i'm going to try to explain it to you the best i can so russian government isn't right but there's got to be other news outlets that are reporting something news outlet is controlled in russian by the russian government is everything happening within russia yes oh so So, nothing happened in norway well i'll get to that okay that's my (laughs) okay that's the latest news let's get there okay so i'll try to explain it the best i can yeah so this was thursday august 8th we got news report that a missile like some kind of test missile crashed in Russia, right? Two people dead. Not a, you know, not a terrible news story. Whatever these stuff, this stuff happens. <laughs> You're like, you know, a missile crashed, two people dead. Not terrible. It wasn't terrible. I mean, at whatever. This point. Within, I don't know, maybe twenty four, probably forty eight hours, it started to seem like, wait a minute, this wasn't just a missile crash. There's something else going on. Really? Yes. So by Saturday, we know that it's actually seven people dead. Five were nuclear scientists that were blown into the water. Okay, so now people are like, what the hell's going on? The doctors that originally treated the seven victims from this now are being shipped off to Moscow for further testing. Their scrubs were clicking radiation meters. That was the first sign that something was Okay, so first it was just a missile. Now we find out there's nuclear. Yes, the government's not telling us this, but we're starting to... You know, put two and two together and figure out there's something else going on here because there was nuclear scientists involved. And now these doctors and nurses from the civilian hospital are being shipped off to Moscow to be treated because their radiation suits. Treated or silenced. Right. And the government came in or the government or some agency for the government came in and sealed the hospital rooms that these victims were in. And when they took the bodies out, the witnesses say they saw the ambulances being sealed. And everyone who came to the site had hazmat suits on. So something's happening right now. Oh, my God. They're arming nuclear missiles. So we'll get Hang to that. Hang on a second. We'll get to that. Okay. So originally, when the first aid Russian agency came in, they said it was briefly the radiation detection was up twice its normal levels. Briefly. Which is still not great, but not terrible. So now, Monday, I believe it was, all the residents from the small town that was by where this happened were told that they were going to be evacuated first thing Tuesday morning by a special train. What? Right. Hold on. Okay. So let's do this real quick. There's, <laughs> they're testing missiles, right? They're sending off missiles to test. One of them ends up exploding or crashing. Nobody really knows a true story because what they hear is that there's just a mishap. And only right. a couple people died. And even Trump like tweeted. Then all of a sudden, things start coming out that no, it wasn't just this. Literally, a whole handful, seven to eight people dead, people, people blown into the water, yes. uh, bodies, and and slight survivors. People who are hanging on to life are quarantined. Rooms are getting sealed off. Literal ambulances are getting sealed off. Hazmat suits. People are being sent to 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 Moscow. Yes. 
And what happened when originally they said the the radiation levels were doubled, then everyone went out and bought iodine. All the iodine was sold out of drugstores because that's to protect your thyroid, which is the first thing that will... What do you do, drink it? I guess. I don't really know. It's the first thing that happens. You get thyroid cancer, right? So all this happens. Nothing to see here. Move along. Pretty right? much. They're... And then the town where this happens near, the... In- Okay, we're not talking a street. We're not talking a building full of people. The entire town. We're talking a fucking town. Yes. Is getting rounded up and put onto trains and shipped to where? I I don't know. Nobody knows. I don't know if they knew. I'm not sure. Because by Monday evening, Russian officials deny that that was ever the plan. There's no evacuation. Nothing's happening. No one's being evacuated while these weird trains are still sitting in this town. So the people were not evacuated. Why they wanted to evacuate them, nobody's sure. Were they going to go in the water and look for the nuclear reactor that we assume got blown in the water with these five scientists? What the fuck is happening right now? So, so what's the most another, updated? Well, here, let me. Oh, okay, then we're another here. Norway's agency, coming Norway's into play. Norway's coming in. Then another agency came in early that same week, Monday or Tuesday, and said the radiation levels were actually 16 times the normal. And then the latest news that I just saw this morning is that now Norway is detecting higher radiation levels in their air. So, yeah. That's what's happening right now. We're all going to die. I'm glad you find this funny. (laughs) What the shit, dude? Okay, so 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 now there's literally like nuclear shit going through the air. So this is what we, this is what people, I'm not going to say we because this is way out of my understanding. But U.S. officials that know this kind of crap think that they were trying to make a doomsday bomb, which is something that U.S. tried to make in the 60s, which is a missile uh, on a nuclear reactor so that the missile can go anywhere and then just spurts off nuclear fumes. And, you know, it's not successful. That's why U.S. abandoned the project. But what happens? What's the point of that? To annihilate what? An entire country? Yeah, pretty much. Like they're dirty bombs. They're They're looking to get rid of us. I don't know what's happening. Oh, my God. But they'll never admit that that's what's happening. And meanwhile, this whole town is probably going to, you know, it's going to be a Chernobyl. I don't know. That's <laughs> fucking crazy. And no one knows what happened to this town yet? Not really. They weren't evacuated. And now it's like, there's, yeah, nothing what, to see here. They're just sitting in fucking train cars? I, no, they didn't ever get on the train. They were told before that. And the government completely says that was never even the plan. So they're just still in the town, though. They're still in the town. But there's trains sitting out there I think the trains them. are probably gone now. This was last Monday that the trains were still sitting there. And today is Sunday. Oh, so. my God. This is something to keep our eyes on, man. Yeah. We're going to see Godzilla come out of the water soon. And very little limited media on this, which I would think. Well, not really, because I just saw, a he- I, I can't even see where I saw the headline, but I literally saw a headline But it's been over a ago. week. It's a week and a half after it. Moments ago, something about Russia, Russia covering up the nuclear uh, explosion or something. I was yeah. like, what is going on? Yeah, so I feel like that's pretty odd. The whole train evacuating thing, and then we're not going to really evacuate you, and that was never the plan, and where do you get that from, and fake media, and I don't know. That seems very odd to me. Wow. And then my focus is always on the animals, so I think, wait, what if they did evacuate? Like, they probably wouldn't let you bring your pets with you on the train, so what <laughs> no. do you do? Sorry. Listen, anytime oh. these things go down, you gotta you, you just no. got to detach them. No. You cannot think of the animals. You're just going to give yourself grief, man. I'd be like, I'm staying in the town. I'm going down with the animals. <laughs> you're going to give yourself grief. You don't want that stuff. <laughs> um, 
there was one thing that was kind of it's actually kind of a current i might bring it up for current creeps and still but i'm gonna uh, instead but i'm gonna kind of do a quick mention of it here did you see the thing about you know who the hollywood ripper is no uh there's this guy that was known as the hollywood ripper michael gargu gargiulo gargiolo don't know that last name 43 years old was found guilty of murder in the stabbing deaths of two women and the attempted murder of another in the early 2000s uh i'll bring it up on current creeps as to why it's like this caught my attention and why it's even making news because okay right a guy killed two people right, why is that a big deal? deal yeah it's a big deal uh hollywood right there's a tie to hollywood there Oh, so you're um, just teasing it right now? So people you go. check out <laughs> History Creeps next episode, guys. That's what it's going to be on um, today. You're joining us for that. It's odd. Johnny hit a different frequency and unfortunately blipped himself into a different time uh, time era, a different alternate reality. Is that what's happening? Yeah, he's different. He's blipped. He's. Oh, I'm hoping he blips himself back uh, in time for history creeps. I hope he's in a better reality than this one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you and I both, right? Uh, we'll hear about his adventures when he comes back. But you're joining us today because we're going to talk about, uh, like you said, one of the topics that has always interested you is always going to be animals. You're a big animal lover. As long as I've known you, I've known that about you. All my life. Um, but one of the things that has fascinated you, I know for sure it's fascinated me as well, is this thing about um, animals have this weird way of knowing when things are going to happen, right? I think one of the things that was, was most recent, remember when they had those tsunamis in Thailand? Yes. Uh, and all of a sudden, all the animals just disappeared. They all just started taking off. So the elephants in the zoo went all crazy. Everything, right? And, and it's, they, they knew something was coming. Um, there's, I mean, you can go on the internet, uh, you know, and before the internet, there was always these, these books that would write these stories or, or these, these articles, these magazine things where animals acted a certain way, you know, oh, oh, my animal knew when I was pregnant before I did the way he kept nuzzling my belly and licking my belly. Right. Or, you know, Hey, where's Timmy trapped in a well lassie, right? Because they have this knowledge of what's going on and how to communicate that kind of thing. And I've seen things, uh, we talked about this when you and I were discussing this as a topic. Um, Oh, I can't remember what's the name of the show, uh, sightings, or do you remember those kinds of shows, sightings or, or unsolved mystery, these kinds of shows. There was right. one where I don't, I don't remember which one it was. It focused on this animals things, Right, and I remember I distinctly remember one where there was a cat that would consistently paw at the you know the owner's chest over and over, and then but like like anxiously, and they didn't know it was wrong. They brought it to the vet, said they couldn't figure it out. And the wife said maybe it's trying to tell you something. Maybe just go see your doctor, right? And the doctor's like, oh yeah, if you hadn't come, if you'd come another day later, you would have died of a heart attack or some shit like that, right? And so it was like this cat's trying to warn the owner. Um, so we've, I've always been interested in that. I know you've always been interested in that. You said, that's what you want to talk about today. So you're bringing animals. I didn't want to do animals as well because I know there's a whole bunch of those, but right. I thought, you know, I like that idea that the idea when people would predict, uh, predict things or maybe speak about things or put things out there. And then in the future, it just comes to pass or something does happen. Right. Um, so today you have three stories. You said, yes, I only have two. Okay. So the way we'll do it is uh, you'll go, I'll go, you'll go, I I'll get go. It. I get how it works. You'll close the show. <laughs> <laughs> if you need, I can uh, I can give you show notes and, and, and little cards, <laughs> no, that cue cards that good. say when it's time for you to go. I'm good. I think, uh, <laughs> I, think I got this. <laughs> all right. So what do you have first? What's this first story that you have for me um, with, with the animals? And first of all, before you go on, 
Have you ever experienced it? Any of your animals ever given you a, a weird thing, a premonition where you're like, holy cow, if I'd have gone down there, I would have gotten hit by a boulder? No. Because like, we don't live near boulders? or No. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to talk about one of these studies, is, uh, but it was a book. Uh, dogs that know when their owners are coming home. And in there, there's oh. all sorts of anecdotal evidence of people like their dog stopped. And then, you know, a tree fell on the trail or whatever. So I had a dog that you knew, Justice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who was quite interesting and he would do that often he would just stop walking and i had just read this book so i'm like holy cow what's happening the first few times and then i really? realized he's just a dick <laughs> so he didn't want to keep walking he's like all right let's go home mom didn't have anything to do with any disaster impending that i could see or knew of but you don't know exactly don't know, right exactly. like was it happening on a different on, timeline was it happening on like pads in the woods or like around brush where maybe somebody might jump out and grab you and no, it was just in Pinellas park so in the, around that little the yeah. area there no not where we walked in the park but along the like 49th street and ah, well the thing so they could have been crazy I was gonna people say, <laughs> for it's sure. Pinellas park so you do have to kind of take that into consideration so he was actually getting something out there maybe yeah he I was don't keeping know. you safe man lots of times i would just force him to keep walking and i didn't die so so what's the first one is this a dog a cat Okay, the first one is kind of what the best known is. The best known is that animals predict weather phenomenon, right? Earthquakes and tsunamis. Like I said, yeah. Hurricanes, like shark. They know the sharks can kind of, like before Hurricane Charlie, all the sharks went way far out into sea. Really? Yeah, there's all sorts of Is it just sharks or is it like all the sea life? Do they really start to try to make their way out? Well, it was was what they had trackers on, which were sharks and whales. So that's what they saw. Okay. But I'm guessing it's probably all the sea life. I'd guess too. But do you know this has been around forever, like records for 373 B.C.? Yes, I do actually know this because I uh, my interest in this stuff, obviously, right? Uh, you know, ever since I was a kid, I've read on all kinds of things. So I would go so far as to say I'm very well read in stuff, this kind of stuff. Yes, it's frustrating. Um, <laughs> why? Because you're like, hey, have you ever heard this? And I'm like, yeah. And by the way, did you know this? Yes, this, this? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yes, you're I did know this. You're sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. Uh, I did know that. Um, I did know there was time. Ancient uh, tribes and ancient peoples ba- did a lot of their uh, navigation. A lot of the way they predicted crops and the seasons and things coming their way was based on the way animals acted. Right. Well, the earliest record is there's records from 373 BC wow. showing like massive groups of rats, snakes, and weasels um, fleeing a Greek city. Days before an earthquake struck. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. So that's what the was the year? Seventy three, seventy three BC. Wow. So that's the earliest one. But I wonder what people at that time, because when you think about that time, right, you're thinking like the togas and the sandals and everything's kind of dusty, right, and bricks right. and big whatever. And then all of a sudden, you just kind of see all. <laughs> all of a sudden, you just see all these like rats just tearing out of your city. Is your first thing just like what the fuck is happening? Or I feel like back omen? then they would take more. It's like an omen, too. right? Yeah. It's like now we'd just be like, what the fuck? And the funny thing is, it's to them. It's probably the gods are angry. Like some something right. bad is coming. Right, right, right. And so when the ground opens up beneath you, it's because oh, obviously the we gods are not happy wrong, with us. Yeah, Ooh. we didn't give them enough food. Or Interesting. Three seventy three. Wow. So here's the most interesting one where the animals predicted a natural disaster. This happened in 1975 in China. This is the only recorded time in history that they were able to evacuate a city prior to an earthquake. Because they listened to the animals. Because they listened to the animals. Get out. Yes. What was the year? 1975? 1975. Good year. 
Chinese? Why? I don't know. Isn't that what you say every time you hear a year? 1975. <laughs> no. It was a good year. It's only if you're still alive during that time or if it was the year of your birth. I feel like it's Bee Gees year. Bee I don't know. When yeah. it, when so it's they're staying listening alive to Staying out. Alive right now while they're evacuating all the, the million residents of this town. All right. Go on. So what happened was in December of 1974, they started to get reports of rats and snakes that appeared frozen in the roads. So not physically frozen, but like just kind of standing yes, there. Yes. Alive though, but just yes. standing there waiting. Yes. And then these types of reports increased greatly by February of 1975. Bet it's because they were feeling the slight tremors. That but two maybe, months before. But maybe our our uh, instruments in the 70s didn't pick right. up that minimal tremor, maybe. but they can pick that shit up. But it's up, crazy dude. two months before. Dude, they know. So then by February, they're getting a lot more of these reports. They're also getting reports of cows and horses looking restless and agitated. Ooh. Rats appearing drunk chickens refusing to get into their coop and oh they didn't want to be trapped and just in case it happened right oh, and wow. geese taking flight more frequently than usual so because of that but there was also other things um the ground swell like the water the groundwater was swelling so that oh. made them think too so something was coming right? so they decided to evacuate a city of one million people the earth was pulsing yes and they evacuated them and then they had a 7.5 magnitude earthquake and it's still, even though they evacuated all those people, it still killed over 2,000 people and injured 27,000. But it would have been way, way worse if they hadn't evacuated. So that's the only time in history that animals have... Wow. Well, they've listened to animals at they least. they listen to animals, right. Because we know throughout history, animals have reacted to things coming. Like I said, with that tile, the tsunami thing... I remember that was one of the big things. People talked right. about how hours before, birds had all gone silent. It was like they'd all left. No one knew where any of the birds had been. And you're talking about Thailand, tropical locations where right. the birds are constantly you know, And there's all sorts of squeaking. anecdotal stories where people say their dogs didn't want to go running on the beach, which they always wanted to do that day yeah. and all that stuff. Crazy, so, right? Yeah. But this wow. was one of the few earthquakes successfully to be predicted. And it's the only successful evacuation before an earthquake. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. So mine are more human-based, okay? Uh, the one I'm going to save for the end is is more kind of like, ooh, wow, right? So this next one is is more along the lines of kind of like, um, you know, people who are innovators, people who think ahead. You know, it's it's not – it's so Johnny and I did an episode with H.G. Wells uh, talking about time travel. But also that H.G. Wells wrote, you know, in his books – Things like space travel, you know, rockets, and they didn't exist back when he was writing, but, you know, they ended up coming to pass. And so I always, my thing is, is as much as I always have that I want to believe thing, <laughs> the, re, the, the, the realistic part of me just says it's influence, right? Like all these people who ended up working in projects that would create rockets or create space flight, um, were influenced. They grew up reading those things. That's what it was when they were a kid reading these things that said, I want to get into science as I grow up. I want to try to make this a reality. Right. So when you see uh, Star Trek and they flip open their communicators and they're talking and it looks like a fucking flip cell phone, right? You can understand that at some point, the people who invented flip cellular phones, somewhere along the lines, there's people who are influenced by Star Trek. Right. So there's this video that had come out in 1986 or 1987 by Apple. 1987. Uh, yes, 1987. It was a video, a little promotional video that they were doing at the time. Um, 
if you don't know much about Apple, Apple started, you know, in the in the seventies. Uh, Macintosh, Apple, Steve Jobs, and uh, Wozniak is that the guy's name? Steve yeah. Wozniak yes. or something like that. Uh, the two guys worked together. I think they worked at Xerox at the time. Um, and and they they decided they wanted to create their own computers, their home computers. And they created the Macintosh, uh, the Apple. Uh, they created the computer. Uh, they got big for a while. Um, Apple was was big in the 80s, got taken over by, I can't remember the guy's name. I'm going to have to look here real quick. John Scully. John Scully took over uh, at the time, and he fired Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the story about Steve Jobs being gone from Apple for about 10 years, comes back and saves the company because at the time it starts to squander. Uh, you know, uh, Bill Gates is on the rise. You know, Windows is a big deal uh, throughout the 80s and into the 90s. And and Apple really struggles to try to keep up. But at the time, there's going to be this 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 big kind of symposium, this this uh you know, gathering of tech tech heads in the eighties where where people have to pro, you know you want to promote what you're doing and so Apple had this huge thing where they're going to do a presentation and and the guy Scully had to put on you know basically what Jobs did you know you see these videos when Jobs would put out the iPad right. and those things he'd come out on the stage so that was his job so how do you present uh, what your vision of the future is for your company um, when you know it's floundering how you do that right they got this guy. Uh, named Alan Kay. Uh, Alan, uh, a lot of the information I'm getting for this uh, is comes off of Forbes.com, uh, written by Chunka Mull. He's a contributor there. But um, Alan Kay at the time was a widely acknowledged father of the personal computer. He was also an Apple fellow. He went to Apple CEO John Scully and said, look, the next time we're not going to have Xerox. So he's basically referencing the fact that Xerox helped you know create what they know as part of their, their company. Um, and he's saying we need to come up with something else. We have to we have to present something. So Scully says, "Cool. What do you think? What do you think uh, we should be looking forward to? What are the plans?" Right. Um, so this is one of the things that I saw. Um, let me pull this up real quick. Sorry. <clears throat> As John Scully tells the story in a recent essay, uh, Kate went on to tell him that every innovative technology, no matter how simple or how complex always takes about 15 to 20 years to evolve from a concept to a commercial state. If it were true, then many of the technologies that would be important to Apple's future were already in some stage of percolation uh, on the way through the evolving process. So what they did is uh, he he ended up putting this video together. He creates this video that I'm about to show you here. Uh, And listeners at home, if you go to YouTube, type in Apple Knowledge Navigator, um, 1987 Apple computer. There's going to be a video that comes up. Some people attribute it 1988. Some people call it 1986, whatever it is. But what you want to see is the knowledge navigator. This is kind of like a mini, like, um, for lack of a better word, like uh, a, a trailer for what they have coming. Okay. Right. But when you start to see now, this is keep in mind, this is 1987, the stuff that they're showing. And this isn't new either. Right. In the 80s, we had Back to the Future. So people were looking forward and coming up with all these ideas. And especially with uh, movie and film technology, you wanted to show these kinds of cool things you can do with computers. Um, 
the the thing is, is though where we live today. So I'm going to hit play. You guys at home can hit play. If you don't, you can listen to us talk through it. If it sucks, I'll probably just cut it out and you'll just hear us start <laughs> talking about it after the fact. Uh, but Aaron, you've not seen this. This no. is why I wanted you to see it. Okay. Um, and it and and basically it follows a professor in the year 2011. 2011 oh, wow. because in it he re- he references something about six years earlier and it's like 1998 seven six what is I'm that having trouble six Five. years earlier from 2011 yeah seven would be 2000 2005 something don't listen to me <laughs> don't listen to what i'm saying i don't know i can't think of it right now but anyway check this out here we go three two one play So immediately, this part right here, what you saw sitting on the desk there. Right. I've seen where people are coming up with, or one of the, I can't remember who it is, but they're coming up with these laptops that open, or these iPads that open like this, and then the whole screen is there. Like that, like a book. Uh, that's crazy. Your graduate research team in Guatemala, just checking That's in. the Siri. Robert uh-huh. Jordan, a second semester junior, requesting a second extension on his term paper. Isn't that insane? And your mother reminding you about your And then touch screen. Yep. Party next Sunday. Today, you have a faculty lunch at 12 o'clock. You need to take care of the airport by 2. You have a lecture this at 1987. I like his bow tie. Yeah, he's Bill Nye. Right. Check this. Let me see the lecture notes from last semester. He wants to see the notes. Boom. Pulls it up from the cloud. No, that's not enough. I need to review more recent literature. Pull up all the new articles I haven't read yet. I haven't even read yet. Right? Like online. Like they didn't have that. Jill Gilbert has published an article about deforestation in the Amazon and its effects on rainfall in the sub-Sahara. It also covers drought's effect on food production in Africa and increasing imports of food. Contact Jill. Contact Jill. I'm so sorry, like Skype, right? right now. Over the computer. I left a message that you had called. Okay. Let's see. Like I said, that's not new. There's they did that in Back to the Future too. Where but they were still, talking over the video conferencing. He really disagreed with the direction of Jill's research. John Fleming of Uppsala University. He published in the Journal of Earth talking Science. talking to Siri, the, the Siri version, right? But that's my thing. Like, when I see I, things like this, he was challenging is it, and the amount of carbon the, dioxide is it being at the time, the this stuff is just influencing what is coming, right? Because right. that's what they're working towards anyway. So, right, obviously, exactly. we're going to get that because they kind of predict it. Right. He was really off. Give me the university research network. Only universities with but people in 1987 did not believe this was happening. No, that's way too futuristic, isn't it? Right. All this touch screen. And I mean, we didn't even really have home computers in 1987. And look at how quick it just pops up too, right? Like right. back then. We didn't even have dial-up back then. At least I didn't. I even when you did start to get dial-up, how one, slow it was to see this just blink up. And right. then look at him slide a card of information Excuse in. Me. Jill Gilbert is calling back. Look at this. A okay. call coming in. A video call. Hi, Mike. What's up? Uh-huh. Jill, thanks for getting back to me. Isn't that sweet? Well, I guess that new it's Skype. hasn't dampened your literary ability. Exactly. Has it, that you FaceTime. Just put out the 
definitive article on. Deep so there you go, guys. This is about yeah. five, six minutes long, this right? Your um, last minute it's pretty cool, man. No, like basically, no, no, it shows where they wanted to show where their company was going to go. Uh, I'm going to pause it now. Um, unfortunately, it still kept going kind of downhill until G- Jobs came back and helped push it into the future. But when he did come back, people were just like, "Holy cow! Look at the savior! He brought us iPads and and i you know iPhones and all this touchscreen." Probably all that stuff all was this. in development already. <laughs> it was in development, but it needed certain things, right? These ideas. Um, so again, it was, it was awesome that he was, he he came back because jobs did bring back. We don't want to take that away, but, um, this was one of those things that, that people point to when you talk about in more recent times, uh, when you're not talking about Nostradamus or these people that can see the future, right? right? Um, this is one of the things that people say, Hey, don't forget that Apple commercial back in 87, they were talking about this stuff was going to be reality and, and, and we're really getting there. Right. Right. Uh, do you ever see minority report with Tom Cruise? No. So it's there's a scene Cruise in there. Out. There's a there's a scene in there where the computer screen is literally like this virtual thing right in front of you, and you wear these hand things that kind of all you swipe you swipe your hands in the air, and it moves the screen around and and does everything you need it to do. And people are saying that that's what's coming next. Like we're going to start seeing all of this kind of virtual interaction and interfaces. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. Do you remember when we hung out with uh, Sheryl and Jurgen when we went through the through New York that one time and he was working for Microsoft at the time. He pulled me to the side and was telling me, look, they're ma- they showed me all this stuff they're making and you can't tell anybody. Remember that? Yes. Yeah, I remember like that kind of technology what he was talking about is literally in development and I, I believe it because it we do then, see too, that yeah. it's happening, right? Right. So this was one of my things. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. It's it's one of these things where, you know, it's a dreamer type of a deal at that time when they right. put these videos together. Mm-hmm. But look where we live now, you know, and this isn't the only time like there was. Um, I can't remember. I think it's like Isaac Asimov. He's a, a, a sci fi writer. Um, he wrote about earbuds talking about I can't I think it's him. I'll have to look and find out. But somebody talked about earbuds the way you would, you know, hear people talking all the time and listen to music and all these things and these little seashell type things that go straight inside your ear. You know what I mean? Um, again, go to H.G. Wells. There's all these right. different things that he he, uh, you know, he uh, purported to to exist in the future. And then and then it kind of came to pass. So, again. I like to believe and say it, it's kind of this weird this, you know, plugging into a wavelength where maybe that the information's always there so he does kind of get a glimpse or is it because he had that kind of a mind it was enough to spark the minds of all these young people who may have read his stuff to become the scientists and the inventors and the innovators in the future who said i remember that story let's see if we can't do this for real right it's that one but it's still cool what's the story you got next what animal you got okay so this is kind of a long, a longer one. That's what she said. <laughs> Name your sex tape. Keep going. <laughs> so what's the one thing like a lot of dog owners say? In fact, like in a survey, almost Sit. 50% of dog owners <laughs> say that their dog knows when they're coming home. Right? Oh, yeah. Is this called, is this the morphic resonance? Is that what this is? Well, maybe. Okay. We'll see. We'll see exactly what it is. Yeah. So that's always kind of been a thing that dogs know when their owners are coming home. And people have always said, well, it's because they know your car. They know your schedule. Maybe the other people in the house are acting a certain way to give them clues. Like right. there's probably like a or they lo- hear logical Mama's coming home. Right. Daddy's coming home. Right. Right. Or the dog might just go to the window or the place all the time. But the only time you really pay attention to that is when, oh, they know that their daddy's coming home. Right, kind right. of a thing. 
So that's right. They go to the window all day long. You, you see don't pay it. Attention. You're like, get out of the window. Get out of the window. Exactly. It's time for you to come on. Like, oh, they must know. They must know. They're exactly. So, <laughs> so this this uh, scientist guy, Rupert Sheldrake, he did a an experiment on this to see what is the real reason and is this, you know, all these other explanations, do they count for it or not? Okay. So he was published in the Journal of Scientific Exploration in 2000. What was his name? Rupert Sheldrake. Rupert. He also is the one that wrote that book, Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home. Automatically, I'm going to believe a guy named Rupert. Right. It just sounds like too, philosophical or, or very knowledgeable. And is Dr. Sheldrake, like, doesn't that just sound? <laughs> Rupert. Rupert. Okay. So he took an experiment with his dog named JT. Mm-hmm. And JT's owned by Pamela. Okay. So Pamela, I think he was publishing something or he's talking about it. And Pamela reached out to Rupert and said, hey, I got this, you know, this example. My dog always knows. So she lives in England and her parents live in the flat next to her. But she lives alone, her and JT, and then her parents live in the flat. So and when she goes to work during the day, because she was like a secretary or something, work very normal hours, she would leave JT with her parents. And JT would always go to the window when she was getting home at 4.30, but they just figured it was a routine. It was the same time. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't like that shocking. Well, then she gets unemployed and now she's gone at all different hours and stuff. And JT still is always going to the window. So this is at when... At 4.30 though? No. Oh, different, different time, Whenever she's coming home. So this is when JT starts, or when Dr. Sheldrake starts his experiment on JT. Okay. And he starts and he has her keep a journey. You know, it's all very... Exp- scientific he has her keep a journal and track and the parents are tracking when jt is going through the window and stuff because i was going to say if it, if the times didn't change right i was going to say there's something it's easy right like right, right. it could be that the parents start to make tea at right. a certain time of day right. and it always coincides at yeah, that no. so that's how the dog now she's makes gone it go. at all different hours all and, different she, times. And, and the dog literally goes out there every time she's going to be coming well, this home. is when they did the experiment they found out of 100 occasions she left jt with her parents 85 out of 100 he reacted by going towards the the window and 10 minutes usually 10 minutes or more in advance so it wasn't this it wasn't the sound she had no regular hours when the data was analyzed because she's also keeping a journal of where she is and when she's going home yeah when they d- analyzed the data they found that jt almost would always go to the tv when she, or to the window when she was heading home at that moment so no matter where she was wow and often she was more than six kilometers away which i don't know what that is in miles but it seemed it was it's a few yeah. it's long enough far enough away that he wasn't reacting to any sound our english and metric creepers are going to say yeah it's a few yeah i know i, I know. guess i don't know <laughs> us idiot americans so they didn't think he could have been listening to the car but to be sure they had her then come home all different ways right they had her come home by taxi in unfamiliar cars by bike by train still he'd go to the window that's really cool. Okay. So then they were afraid. Well, she wasn't giving the parents any idea when she was coming home. She wasn't okay. calling first. But then to be sure, they would tell her, like the experimenters would tell her after she left the house, they'd say, okay, return at 3.30. They would give her the time. So there's no way the parents could have known. Okay. JT's still going to the window waiting for her. What kind of dog was it? Do you know? I don't know. It was uh, a littler dog, I think. I was say maybe like a border collie or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So he would always go there after she left home. And they also tested the dog's reaction in like other environments. Like they'd have her him stay at someone else's house, a friend's house. Still, he would go to the window when she was on her way home. Isn't that crazy? That is awesome. Yeah, they kept testing it. They did. When like, was this done? What years? This was say? in the nineties. Oh, so JT's probably not. Still He's probably anymore. yeah gone Aww. now. It was in the. That's awesome, dude. I think she adopted him in ninety two or something. There was something that I had heard about that with animals, like that there there's something because of 
energy vibrations. There's weird things that they can read, right? That when you're ready to come home, you give off a vibration that now it's this is your next intention, something you're looking forward to. And they pick up on that from however many miles away it is. That's or crazy. kilometers. That's crazy. That is crazy. So they continued this experiment for years. Like the first time they did it, it was all by like journal writing and reports but then they started doing like videotape experiments to watch so they could put videotapes in the house to watch jt go to the wind like it's crazy wow it's years and years and he would always know interesting um so i was going to do my next but since your next one's short you want to do your next one too and then i'll i'll finish with the my story sure if you want me to yeah 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 okay what do you got for your what's the next one so we had two dogs no, the first one was about all oh, the animals, right. all animals. and the second one was dogs. This is a cat, Oscar the Cat, okay. who's pretty famous. Some okay. of our listeners may know him. Um, Oscar, he was published actually in the New England Journal of Medicine, Oscar the Cat, because he lived in a nursing home in Providence, Rhode Island, on the third floor, and it's kind of what you were talking about earlier. He would always go to people's rooms, and then they would die. He would go... What? Oh, my God. That's creepy. So the... The uh, nursing home um, staff reports this, and then they do an experiment on it. People come in and do an experiment on it and find out that he would always go two hours before a patient died and never more than four hours. He would enter the room, hop onto the bed, sniff the air, lick his paws, and curl up next to the dying patient and began a deep-throated purr. He has not failed to spot a single death among the 25 that occurred since his arrival as a kitten in 2005. And this was in 2007, 25. I saw something about 50. Wouldn't you be afraid to see that cat coming your way? I mean, this was like a dementia thing, so they don't really know. They don't really get it. On one occasion, though, the family of the the patient didn't want him in the room, so they had to remove him. And he went out. He was outside, like, pawing at the door and crying. They had to remove him from the floor because he was so distressed that he wasn't allowed to be with the the dying person do you think maybe he has a way of guiding them maybe yes wow so it's crazy so yeah i'd like to know if that floor is now haunted because that ghost wasn't able to move on with with oscar oh poor oscar he wanted to what year was this does that say either this was 2007 was when it was published and uh, so he could still be around he a is bit. i looked it up oh, he said he has out. a facebook he page still does it he's 14 now i think and yes he still does this although he <sighs> takes more naps they say but everything else is the same that has got to be like, at least for like the people who work there, it's got to be like this kind of like, say you're friends with one of these old people, you really yeah, love them, and then, and then you Oscar see Oscar goes, going into that like, room, oh, and you're crap. like, oh, here we go. Wow. Yeah. So that's the story of It's Oscar. kind of creepy and kind of sad, but kind of like, like beautiful nice. too. Yeah. yeah. If I'm going to die in an old folks home, I want like a cat to a come cat by with and say, me. hey. Cuddle is he up. a big orange fat cat? Fat no. orange cat? Because no. that's how I see it when you said Oscar. <laughs> I, I looked at his Facebook page. Wasn't that his name from, uh, what was the name of the cat from Nine Lives? Was it Oscar? Wasn't there yeah, a... Yeah, I think you're right. I feel like it was. I can't think of it Felix. Right now. No. No. What's Felix from? The black and white cartoon cat. No, no. Oh, no there's a Felix be. on a, co- a cat commercial. Cat food commercial. Be. I don't know. Anyway. But yeah. But and you know that like dogs can predict cancer. They can detect cancer. There's like a recent study that came yeah, out in 2019. I did see that. 
that they can predict over 95% of the time. Cancer, uh, they can predict different seizures. blood ail- ailments, they predict seizures, seizures for sure. uh, blood pressure, people who have blood pressure issues with their blood pressure dropping too yeah, fast. They don't help me with that. Well, they're not trained for that. They have to <laughs> learn how to sniff the blood to, 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 de- to detect that, you know? You have to have a dog that's trained to detect But the, it. the dogs can detect cancer without even being trained. Oh, Because sure. something smells different or right. something. Yeah. So they just used like regular beagles that weren't trained and they would give them a cancer sample and a regular sample and, and they would sniff all 95% over the of the time they would pick the cancer sample. Wow. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, because it's a, it's a it's a deterioration or something of the cells, right? Whatever it is there. They say it could be more accurate than actually like doing tests. So why do we need doctors? We'll just have dogs. Can you imagine <laughs> a dog dressed as a doctor like in Scrubs? Oh, uh, you're here to see Dr. Fido. Please come on in. Have <laughs> a seat. I can Woo! get behind them. Woo! Uh, your payment today is going to be three biscuits and a filet mignon. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So my last story, uh, this one is is kind of weird. This one's kind of got that that M. Night Shyamalan turn. Uh, at least for me, it did when I found out. I was like, get the, what the, f- get out, right? Have you ever heard of William Thomas Stead? No. He was an English newspaper editor. Uh, this is coming off English of, with this that ca- name. It's <laughs> coming off the Wikipedia's. As a matter of fact, uh, William Thomas Stead was an English newspaper editor who, as a pioneer of investigative journalism, became a controversial figure in Victorian era. He published a series of hugely uh, influential campaigns while he was the editor of the Pall Mall Gazette, and he's best known for his 80, uh, 1885 series of articles, "The Maiden Tribute of Modern Babylon." Uh, the reason he wrote this though, so I'm going to jump into that one real quick is back in those days, if I wanted to take a 13 year old girl as my wife, I just offered to buy her or take her that, but I could, I could literally go on the streets, you know, go to one of these more poor people, right. Uh, 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 and, and say, look, uh, your daughter, I kind of want her. What's it going to cost? And they can, they would do it. Jeffrey, I'm absolutely thirteen. Back then. <laughs> Jesus, uh, thirteen <laughs> was the age of consent, okay. right? Like okay. at that age is when you know they can start to say yes or no. So that means like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old girl. They all had to deal with it too. Well, because of these papers, these things he wrote about, this it was kind of he was kind of like an investigative reporter. Uh, people did not like that he was talking about this stuff because they liked the way they lived. This was their era, right? Uh, he was like, "Yeah, this is fucked up." Um, but because of this, it raised the age of consent to sixteen. Um, still, kind of like creepy, but at least it did that. So he was very influential in that. Um, his also his version of new journalism paved the way for the modern tabloid. So he he would be he, he the way he wrote was a it was very sensationalist. It was about grabbing headlines and writing things so that you could be like, oh, what? And you buy that. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that was one of the big things. He was influential in demonstrating how the press could be used to influence public opinion and government policy. And he advocated uh, the quote uh, uh, or the government by journalism, which was a form of new journalism that he he created. Um, it's basically his way of saying, like, we can affect how the government runs and the decisions they make if we write a certain way about things, right? Uh, he was also well known for his reportage on child welfare, social legislation, and the reformation of England's criminal codes. He also wrote two short stories. One of the short stories um, was a piece that gained great significance uh, after a a big a big uh event 
March 1886, he published an article titled How the Mail Steamer Went Down in Mid-Atlantic by a Survivor. In this story, a ship collides with another ship and it starts to go down. And the reason for there being a huge loss of life is because this ship doesn't have enough lifeboats. Sounding familiar. And in this, he literally has an editor's note, an author's note that says that this really would happen to ships that aren't equipped with enough lifeboats. Um, he also wrote another story. He wrote a story about a ship that ends up in uh, in one of its travels, I believe it's through the northern Atlantic, uh, picking up the survivors of a cruise liner that had gone down. Uh, and, and all these survivors were out in the ocean and they had to go and, you know, scoop them all up. This is in the story, right? And the, This I, the, is a different the, story. Different story. Okay. Second story, right? And and in the distance, it, or the idea is, is that uh, it, this one came out in 1892. It was called From the Old World to the New, in which the vessel Majestic rescues survivors of another ship that collided with an iceberg. Iceberg right ahead. And as we know. In 1940. In 1940. 19- 20, 12? 12 or 14. I, was I feel like it's 12, 1912. April 14th, 1912. That's it. Uh, the Titanic, the R- RSS Titanic, uh, goes off into the, the night, traveling from England to New York, uh, and meets its fateful end with an iceberg. Here's the thing. Stead boarded the Titanic. He boarded the Titanic? For a visit to the United States to take part in a peace congress at Carnegie Hall at the request of President Taft. Survivors of Titanic reported very little about his last hours. Wait, he died on the Titanic? He chatted enthusiastically through the 11-course meal that fateful night, telling thrilling tales, including one about the cursed mummy of the British Museum. But then he retired to bed at 1030. (gasps) Oh. After the ship struck the iceberg, Stead helped several women and children into the lifeboats in an act, quote, typical of his generosity and courage and humanity. And he gave his life jacket to another passenger. A later sighting of Stead by survivor Philip Mock has him clinging to a raft with John Jacob Astor <gasps> IV. Their feet had become frozen, reported Mock, and they were compelled to release their hold, but both were drowned. William Stead's body was not recovered. Further tragedy was added by the widely held belief that he was due to be awarded the Nobel Prize that same year. Oh, my gosh. So what was his last thoughts? Like, damn it, I predicted this. Right? Why did I get on this ship? Right? Why didn't I count the lifeboats first? W.T. Stead writes two short stories to be very influential. The idea is to be influential, right? Like, if you don't arm your boats with enough life rafts, this can happen. Um, and then this other one, you know, just was just a story about that. But in that story, this happens. And then he oh ends up gosh. boarding what can, is considered the unsinkable I hope his ship. last words were, oh, the irony. <laughs> oh, man. So That's there you go. crazy. Yeah. William, H., uh, William Thomas Stead, uh, English newspaper editor. Oh, geez. 1849 to April 15th, 1912. 
it hit the iceberg on April 14th. It went down April 15th. So there you go. You never know, right? You never know what you say, or sometimes you might have a feeling and, and say something with such conviction because, of course, it would be true. Of course, something like this could come to pass. And then it does. And then people start to look at you like, huh, what's going on here? <laughs> how, how are you doing this, right? Uh, animals? Always look to the animals, man. If they start taking off or acting weird, run, read man, into run. that shit. Like that's not a joke. When they act weird, there's something to watch. I remember didn't farmers used to do a thing where they would watch the, the cows? The and cows if on they the lay way, down. And not even just the way they lay together. down, but the way they face. It's a specific yeah. direction as to I mean, which the way storm's the storm's coming, coming from. Mm. Um all kinds of stuff, right? Um I remember even Birds. reading stuff like that with uh, when I was a kid. I think it, it, they reference it in Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn or something like that. Probably. Um, but anyway, yeah, so there you go. That's Odd, man. Another episode of That's Odd. Thank you for joining. This was fun. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining. This is Aaron Chavez, my wife, my co-host, special co-host for the day. Do I say Johnny's line now? Um, yeah, you can lead us out. But before we do, I <laughs> want to make sure that everybody knows that we have to leave the clubhouse. We're going to shut off the lights, lock the doors, close the windows. Uh, hopefully Johnny blips back into existence in time for History Creeps. If not, you can take over the honors. I'm out of here. And for Aaron Chavez, stay on. <laughs> 